Today's show is sponsored by Miracle Made. And oh my God, you guys, you know that I love a luxurious set of sheets. And I now have such a set of sheets because of a Miracle Made. They are bedding that has been inspired by NASA. They've got silver-infused fabrics that actually make temperature regulating a thing. Uh, so you're not like getting too hot or too cold or whatever, you know, the whole thing that happens with your body's temperature losing its mind. Miracle Made helps with that. One of the little things that my husband particularly loves about Miracle Made is that it like doesn't have as much bacteria as regular sheets because of it's infused with this silver that prevents up to 99.7% of bacterial growth. So it leaves the sheets cleaner for longer. And then the thing for my husband is that it doesn't give him acne, which is like an issue for some people. But more than all of that, it's just luxuriously comfortable and delightful. And it has that cooling feeling while also being cozy. Very hard to achieve those two things at the same time. I mean, miracle made. Come on, well done. So here's what I think you should do. I think you should go to trymiracle.com slash fake the nation and buy some sheets today. And if you order today, you can save 40% off. Use the promo code fake the nation at the checkout and you'll get three free towels and save an extra 20%. So there's just a lot of savings here, folks. Order today, you'll get 40% off. Use the promo code fake the nation. Go to trymiracle.com slash fake the nation. And Miracle's so confident in their product, it's backed with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you're not 100% satisfied, which I don't see happening, um, you'll get a full refund. Upgrade your sleep with Miracle Made. Go to trymiracle.com slash fake the nation and use the code fake the nation to claim your free three-piece towel set and save over 40% off. Again, that's trymiracle.com slash fake the nation to treat yourself. Thank you, Miracle Made, for sponsoring this episode. This is a HeadGum Podcast. Fake the Nation, episode 335. Hello, hello, and welcome to Fake the Nation, where we talk about news, we talk about culture, and where we watch as HBO Max's holiday gift to all of us is continuously gutting their library. I'm your host, Nagin Farsad, and I'm not saying I ever watch Westworld beyond the first season, but I always liked having the option to go back to it. Today, we're going to talk about what to do with your dead body. We'll also wade into the political waters with Kirsten Cinema and crypto. And finally, we ask a question for the ages. Should friends be honest or offer unconditional support? Just we have all of your answers here today on Fake the Nation. And we have just, oh, folks, the most stunning panel. I can't even tell you. We have joining us for the one millionth time. This is a special one millionth edition of this of this comedian. She, first of all, I have seen her perform so many times live, and like she just like makes audiences burst with joy. I don't know how else to phrase it, but that's but that it's so true because um, she's so gosh darn funny. She's also host of the Parenting Is a Joke podcast, which I was just lucky enough to do. So listen to whatever the upcoming maybe episode of that and I, I will also be on it and her special is called Plant Based Jokes it's now streaming on YouTube you should definitely check it out it is the one and only Ophira Eisenberg hey Ophira thank you for helping me celebrate my one millionth appearance 
Uh, it's, I mean, it's I really so exciting. It. I know. Thanks, you're Nikki. really, I mean, you've done so much in these <laughs> one million appearances. It's incredible. Yes. Also, also joining us, we have, for the first time, so excited, we have a first timer on this show. He's host of the Randy Rainbow podcast, which is just utterly delightful. Um, our producer, I can't, was just beaming that we were managed to get him on the show. He's author of the New York Times bestselling book, Playing With Myself, which, I don't know, I believe that wins some sort of title award because uh, it already immediately makes me want to read it. It is Randy Rainbow. Hey, Randy. Hi. A thrill and honor to be with you. Oh, my gosh. And folks, before we get into the show, just a quick reminder. The, uh, the Patreon is just... Um, just stuffed full of bonus episodes. Uh, it is a very exciting place to be. You go to patreon.com slash Nagin Farsad and you get bonus episodes of the show. At other tiers, you get an essay that's ridiculous. At other tiers, you also get a, a mug and a t-shirt and oh my God, it's just the, it's endless. Um, but you know, come uh, for the bonus content and stay for the support of the show. Uh, so you go to patreon.com slash Nagin Farsad to support the show at many different levels. Um, now, let us get into it with topic number one. Folks, it's here. It's kind of always been here, but now we're reclaiming it. Human composting technology. We'll talk about the name of that in a moment. But it's a process by which we let the dead become nutrient-rich soil that can then be used to plant trees and regrow forests. So before we get into fertilizing you guys, um, have you given thought to what it, to do with your dead rotting corpse? Uh, is it in a will or have you offhandedly told a loved one? Oh, I just assume that I would be vaporized in the moment by the oh. time. <laughs> is that just your understanding of how death works? <laughs> well, I think that's like what I'm expecting. You know, let's just say, right, if it's, but if I live to whatever my insurance agent said I would live to, yeah. uh, by that time, that's what, you know, that's what life will be. Or just all of a sudden, one day you'll be like, oh, and someone will vaporize you. Wow. Okay. So you've already determined the technology <laughs> beyond what can happen beyond human composting technology, which is possible because we achieved fusion energy, like I think this morning or whatever. So I don't know, Ophir, you might exactly. be onto something. You don't know what's um, going on in these vaccines. Uh, <laughs> the side effect of the COVID vaccine that nobody has talked about is human vaporization upon death, like uh -huh. it, it's, which is actually like a delightful side effect. So you don't have to deal with anything right. about, right. with the human corpse. Oh my gosh. I, can we spread this, um, in, you know, incorrect information? Um, R Randy Rainbow, tell me, uh, have you thought about what will happen um, when you leave this mortal coil? Um, should I die? I, I do like this, the thought of this human composting thing. This I'm looking into this now. But in my will, I have it so that I am to be um, cremated and my ashes sprinkled throughout the mall built underneath Barbara Streisand's um, Malibu estate. <laughs> Is that really in your will? Yeah, absolutely. Because that's the that's only fantastic. way it seems I will, I will make it there. Right. I was just going to say gaining entry is a thing, right? Gaining entry. Trust me. Mind? Yes, it's not easy. And I, yeah, <laughs> I've been tased more than a few times. <laughs> 
<laughs> but guess what? You can't tase ashes, Barbara. Sorry, funny girl. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, um, so you had cremation in the books. Do you, what did you think of human composting technology when you read about it? I, I did. I, well, I need you to fill me in a little bit on it. But what I, the thing that freaked me out is that it ta- it seems to take a substantial amount of time, right? Okay, well, let me actually, I'm going to tell you what happens in the human composting test. Okay, so a body is wrapped in cotton and laid in place in this kind of like cylinder. And there's a ceremony where the cylinder is like half open and people can put flowers on it, whatever other compostable materials, however they want to celebrate. And then they close the cylinder so you you really like are in a capsule and they kind of ensure that the conditions are good for decomposition. There's and they they stuff you in there with like alfalfa sprouts and like wood chips and shit like that. And um and the microbes in that if your body and that alfalfa sprouts, I guess, begin to decompose everything. They control the temp and airflow. They rotate the cylinder periodically. I know that would have been a question on all our minds. Do they rotate the cylinder? Yeah, they do periodically. Um, Smelly gases, because they thought of everything about this process. Smelly gases are then treated with an air filter before released, because I guess this process doesn't smell that nice. But they've thought of that issue. And after six to eight weeks, the body has undergone a full transformation. All is left is some bone fragments and nutrient-rich soil. They actually take the bone fragments, they crush them um, in a cremulator, and then they return it to the soil. Medical implants are sifted out and recycled. And then what is finally, finally left is about one cubic yard of soil. This is, is all this very like messed. so weird to talk about? I don't know. I think it's like it's it's oddly I'm not weirded out. I feel like it's oddly um, responsible or whatever. It's no weirder than anything else we do with our dead bodies. It's just new. Like anything else, it's hitting our, our, our ears and, and feeling weird because we've never really thought about it. But what you know, I mean, sticking us in the ground or burning us t- into ashes is not. That was once a new concept too, right? I mean, yeah, as far as I, I guess I misunderstood because I was always under the impression, unless you're like hermetically sealed in a, I don't know, um, I, I guess plastic vessel in the ground, you are ultimately soil. composing. Right. And so I was mm-hmm. like, is this some um, Brooklyn artisanal version of what we're already doing. And sure, <laughs> Nagin, you described the deluxe model, but I'm pretty sure the one that my family could afford to be like, well, she's actually, well, we don't, we'll wrap her in polyester. And uh, it's good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. It's, it's also much a, a cylinder, but it's a large poster tube. Okay. And, uh, you know, they I would get that from like the FedEx, uh, like yeah, a nice poster a tube. FedEx it's one of those um, triangular ones. Yeah, That's all they had yeah. left. Yes, absolutely. Well, I okay, because and this is something that, you know, we read actually a piece about this in the New York Times. And I didn't realize this. It there's so much more energy consumption in the version that we already do, which I also was sort okay, I sort of didn't realize this, but like the the um coffins are not designed to really decompose, right? Like coffins go in the ground, they sort of preserve the body. So the body's not turning into soil that's then enriching the soil. It's turning into 
a corpsey thing that's gross inside of a coffin that's preserving Ophira. I mean, depending on who you are, the Jews, you are buried in a pine box. <laughs> it's not buried fancy in what? at all. You're oh, buried in a pine, it's a pine box. box. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. I've seen. I've so, been to more than a few Jewish funerals, and there, there's, there's wood, there's pine, there's decomposable. What? Yeah, I mean, it's still expensive. I mean, I really would like to take down the funeral business because I think what they do to people who are grieving with this whole idea of like the Cadillac. I mean, it's been, you know, parodied in so many shows and comedy. But this idea of this casket, uh, to me, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Yeah, and I have to say, this composting process isn't like solving that problem, right? It's still like quite expensive. Um, But I think ultimate, because, because I think if when you say human composting technology, you're just sort of like, oh, then my body just gets buried in like Central Park somewhere. And then, but like with no frills around and like that's, you know, to compost a body in six to eight weeks, that's not what happens, right? Like, it, it is this process. They're literally controlling for it. There's a cylinder, as I mentioned. I'm obsessed with this cylinder for whatever reason. Um, and and the and one of the women who's spearheading this, uh, Katrina Spade, she said, you know, that, that she kind of envisions a world where you would see this sort of, like, Human Composting Center. Again, I have an issue with the name, like the branding. It's amazing. Let's, it's yeah. really a lot uh, to say. All, all, and also, Katrina Spade had to work in this. If your last name's Spade, this is the industry for this you. This is your, this is your, you're born into it. Um, <laughs> she, she wrote, um, Passersby would reflect on mortality and the cycle of life, feeling a sense of connection to the earth, past and future, the way urban cemeteries like Greenwood were designed to make repose and death a harmonious part of city life. So my question for you guys is like, what do you feel when you pass by a cemetery? Is there some sort of connection to the past and future that you feel walking by a cemetery? What does it do for you? It depends how drunk. (laughs) it can be sexy it can be you know it can be depressing i mean you know i i I run the 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 spectrum the the gamut of emotions yeah also why are you hanging out at cemeteries so much when you're drunk uh yeah i will i will just be totally frank i hate cemeteries i hate them i will so what what do you hate what do you hate i i i find it very depressing i've i mean to be f- also frank, I've lost a lot of people. I don't, I don't feel, like don't, I feel yeah. sad. I feel sad. And I don't, right. um, I don't what I will, I guess, right. The idea that it invites that reflection when you, um, desire it. I can understand that. I have visited a grave. I never look forward to that. I have, I have a very hard time with it. I'm not saying this is right. I work on it all the time, but I don't like cemeteries. So the idea, in general, the idea that bodies uh, would be, uh, you know, basically decomposed in a way that would then be fertilizer. Like, I'm actually totally for that. I also think it's a crazy space thing. Yeah. Uh, I always am reminded by the, you know, this shows my age, but the last scene of Poltergeist where they're like, you you didn't move the dead bodies. Like the whole premise of that movie is that they decided to develop houses on a cemetery, but they didn't move the bodies. They said they moved the bodies, but they didn't. 
because they need more space. Uh, I think that this would what this would do to the poltergeist problem in this country. Yeah, how about that? Forward thinking. Ophira, that's brilliant because nobody even mentioned the poltergeist problem in this article. Uh, So I feel like you're adding like a a, a huge level here to the discourse. Yeah, and we're Uh, very into ghosts right now. Very trendy. I want to say. Like gardening Uncle Frank's soil is, I like that. I, you know, as someone who gardens, right? I like the idea of, um, you know, of Uncle Frank's remains in in my petunias. You know what I mean? Right. Oh, that's hilarious. This cucumber tastes a little like Phil. Do you find that? <laughs> Um, all right. I, uh, so I, are we all into it? Like straw poll? Are we all human composting ourselves? Yes. Let's go do it after this. Okay. okay. <laughs> May I just say there was, yes. there was one little paragraph in that article, if you have it in front of you, where they're talking about, you know, this idea of where this composting facility would live and this idea of walking by Brooklyn yeah. brownstones. <laughs> and then you would come across and it was like a human composting facility. I, I can't remember the exact verbiage, but I was, yeah. like, you know, where you would have a moment to reflect upon mortality. Yeah. I was like, oh, you mean just a shitty Brooklyn building where there's a lot of people <laughs> with high rents and small uh, apartments? Yeah, that already exists. Don't worry about it. They're not we got a lot it. of human composting facility <laughs> open up in a place where there's so much d- demand for rentals. Come on. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Come Find on. me that place. All right, folks, let me know. What are you doing with your dead bodies? I just felt like... All of those. All the ones in your your living room. What are you going to do with them? This is a great option. Are you a gardener? You know what I mean? So many questions for you. Um, I I just thought this would be just like the perfect um, segment for the holiday season. You're right, though, about the branding is all is problematic. I mean, this this seems there seems to be opportunity for something let's, flowery, like earthy sounding. It, yeah, the the it, I don't yes. I, it doesn't appeal to me. They they need to work. Yes, what let's, do they call it? Do you have? I I mean, um, I'm just springing this on you. I, but how I could know, we? Punch it out? I know. Well, I keep thinking of your your name, Rainbow. Could we? Is there something like mm. you know? Just body rainbows, and nobody knows what that means. It's like so vague. And then you yeah. are like, "Oh, body rainbows—that refers to human composting technology." <laughs> oh, what if we went the other way and like really just you know kind of put our f- foot on the uh, gas pedal of capitalism and called it like luxury fertilizer plant yeah. or something Ooh, like that? Yes. Luxury you know, fertilizer. The, the thing that everybody is asking about. <laughs> you know, there's such a huge market for that. So that, that's all you're really, that's really great thinking, Ophira. <laughs> Soil right, is folks, everything. Let's move on. Um, you know what? We're going to take a quick break uh, for our sponsors uh, who keep the lights on here at Fake the Nation. And when we come back, we will get into it with other stuff. Today's show is sponsored by Rocket Money. Rocket Money is a personal finance app 
that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions. It monitors your spending. It helps lower your bills so that you can grow your savings. I have used Rocket Money. And you guys, honestly, I had no idea how many things I was subscribing to that I didn't want to be subscribing to. I think we all go into, we enter into subscriptions with a Pollyanna view that we're going to use as a subscription, even though it's a super obscure, you know, educational app from Albania that uh, teaches Russian math or whatever. And then you're like, I'm never going to use this. Why did I get it? I should remember to cancel it. And then you don't. And I know you guys are like me and I know you've done this to yourselves. And guess what? 75% of people have subscriptions that they've forgotten about. So we're all in this bucket. And I think paying for that stuff is so angering and Rocket Money is there to help because basically Rocket Money shows you, hey, look at this is what all the things you are subscribed to. But then here's the bigger thing. To unsubscribe, you don't have to go through the whole rigmarole. Rocket Money unsubscribes for you with a click of a button. It's so easy. The other thing Rocket Money did for me, which I was incredibly grateful for, was reduce the cost of one of my bills. It was my cable bill. Yes, I still have cable. Rocket Money has over 5 million users that have saved a total of $500 million in canceled subscriptions, saving members up to $740 a year when using all of the app's features. I mean, that tracks for me and for the number of things I was paying for that I'm frankly ashamed of. So thank you, Rocket Money, for like fixing the shame glaze on my life. Uh, so stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash fake the nation. Again, that's rocketmoney.com slash fake the nation. Rocketmoney.com slash fake the nation, you guys. <sighs> The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. are back and we're ready for topic number two so we're let's just like wade into the political cesspool where we will find that kirsten cinema who has for the last two years been a tough cookie who hasn't always played along announced that she'll be leaving the democratic party and is now an independent um i don't know fear what was your first reaction to this news oh i mean I mean, no surprise. So no surprise because, uh, you know, that woman, that woman hates humans and raising <laughs> things like minimum wage so people can have a, a decent life. She, she, uh, it's amazing to me actually that she started with the Green Party. Like, talk about playing She's, the long game. I, it's wild. She was literally a Green Party activist. Then she ran for state, the state legislator as an independent, which didn't work. Then her big break came when she did declare herself as a Democrat. And that's when she won. Uh, so she's sort of been on the left to middle of the map a couple of times and back. And it's very, I think one of the things that's frustrating as a voter, if I was in her state, I think it would be very frustrating not to be able to generally predict how she would behave. 
Right. That I right. think is frustrating as a voter. Randy, what did you what did you think of uh, Kirsten and her shenanigans? Her coming out. I was shocked. <laughs> and then I came out of the closet That's the perfect. same day. And I, I announced <laughs> that I was gay. I, I don't know. I, I don't. I, I mean, I don't know what to make of her. I, you know, I'm over her like a lot of people. I find her to be just an attention-seeking, opportunistic phony, which I can relate to because I am those things too. But I had the decency <laughs> to go into show business. Game sees oh, game. But, yeah. Like, you know. It is. It's very frustrating. Um, I, I, and I, I think part of it, like, you know, the, the kind of – going theory is that this was about her not being able to win a primary as a Democrat because she's so, and, and, and no fear, you sort of mentioned, alluded to this, but like, just to be clear, she did vote on democratic party lines for a lot of stuff, but where she didn't or where she watered down a bill was always so that she could uphold the values of corporations (laughs) and Big Pharma, right? So she was really, really, I mean, it's like she was very careful not to piss off her donor, her her big money donors in the corporate world. Um, and that's kind of like how she voted. It was really kind of gross. And just as a reminder, Bernie Sanders is a, also a Democrat, I'm sorry, also an independent who caucuses with the Democrats in Vermont. He long attacked cinema as being a, quote, corporate Democrat who helped sabotage the Biden agenda, um, and, and and I think that's right. I mean, this is from an independent now speaking about another independent, which, and and just in case anyone is having like dry heaves over learning that Kirsten Cinema is is a is an independent, she's still the Democrats still have control of the Senate, so this doesn't they still have the fifty one majority. We still we don't need Kamala to tie break all the time. Maybe sometimes. So she, she doesn't have to show up at all. So, yeah. So let's let's uh, everyone calm down. But it is just I did just want to mention it because um, because it, it, it it's like, OK, here's here's the big problem that we come up against. Not that we should be fucking talking about 2024, but here we are. I'm going to mention it. 2024. It shall exist. Um, and she'll so she either won't run. Or maybe the idea here was to run as an independent because she was going to be primary challenged. And here's the crazy thing about Arizona. It's like 35% Republican, 31% Democrat, and then 30 whatever's left of that percent independent. So you kind of can't win as a Democrat unless you have reasonable independent support. Uh, Arizona just split that way in threes. So do you um, do you think in 2024 the Democrats should support Kirsten Cinema because she generally does vote for the Biden agenda, even though she does water it down sometimes and sometimes she just doesn't vote for the Biden agenda. But just literally the other day she voted for a judicial nominee. So that was nice. Or do you think she should be there should be a Democratic primary and we should pull out all the, you know, Democrats and have them fight to the death in Arizona? <laughs> well, well, let's definitely do that. I don't care what happens. Let's uh, <laughs> let's get some sort of fight to the death competition. But I don't think it doesn't. I mean, I don't think the Democrats 
that formerly supported her are going to support her. In, in I think right now people are mad and they feel completely duped by her uh, because the Democrats, her Demo- the, all the all the Democratic uh, voters that worked hard on her campaign, and I think they are pissed from what I can tell. So I just don't think she's going to get that support. Randy, what would you do? What would I do? Oh, dear. I, this is I feel this is for your smarter guests like Ophira. I, I, I <laughs> sing show tunes for a living. I can tell you I'm working on a song parody for Kirsten to the tune of something from Legally Blonde or perhaps <laughs> Les Mis. And I know that's a stretch, but that's where I am on the topic right now as we... <laughs> Well, I think I whatever it is, it's it feels very let's not all stress out about it. It could all just work out and whatever. Um, But I am curious to know what uh, listeners, what you think should happen in 2024. Is she someone we should just support because she's just been sort of basically on the team or not? No, no, no. I have heard. Yeah. I feel like okay. that would be an unpopular no. opinion. No. I can say that much. Okay. Yes, All right. she's in it, she's in it for her. I like unless you like people who are in it for themselves. If like that's your thing, and you're like, you know what, I'm in it for myself. So I appreciate someone who's in it for themselves because I think she is going to continue to be an opportunist and becoming an independent is doing that in the most uh, like political way she can right now. Exactly to your point with. Like being in independent Arizona is a good choice for her. Right, 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 right. So that, yeah. So she just easily flipped and it's whatever. Yeah. Let's do the Democratic primary death match. I'm into that. Okay. Yeah. Democratic primary death match. (laughs) Hunger Games 2024. Um, Okay. Well, let me talk to you guys quickly. I, I don't even know why I'm bringing this up, but it just feels weird not to bring it up. That like crypto seems to be finally maybe... Dying, we read a piece called Is Crypto Dead? And I was just like, yeah, is fucking crypto dead? And here I'm going to just read to you a little thing from this article we read in The Atlantic, um, which sort of demystifies what crypto was. And I think part of it is that what part of the reason I never really talked about it is because it's a frustrating thing to talk about um, because it's trying to make itself sound very complicated. Uh, but this article, I think, did a great job of just basically being like, crypto is just like a ledger of numbers, and then the numbers go up and down. Um, it's just like some, and this is literally from the piece, quote, it's just like somebody writing down numbers in a book, and it's a page, and it's page after page. That's all it is. Um, and uh, they wrote, a token is just code they created that has no value, but then you can make it very visible and pump it up and make it valuable, but that, but it's nothing. It's smoke and mirrors. There's nothing really complicated there, but it looks complicated if you don't understand what they're doing. Crypto hides behind all this com- complexity, and people hear words like blockchain, and they get confused. So what has been your relationship to cri- crypto, and are you um, dancing on its grave? Those people do not exist in my life. If they did, they'd be long gone. Because I don't have, I don't, I don't know about this. I've resigned to the fact that I will never get it. I know more about human composting, and that's frankly what we. Right. Should- yeah. I'm really. I actually think uh, it's it's great that you know more about human composting than crypto. And the reason I think you don't get it is because there's nothing to get. Like there's no inherent value. It. it there's no inherent value. And what's weird that the article also pointed out is that it costs more money 
the computation of it costs more money than the thing is worth. So it's like, I think what we were excited about was like a type of calculator. And (laughs) you know what I mean? Um, I, but may I I just, please. I just want to say that a company had sent me an email yesterday being like, Hey, thanks everybody for a great year. Here's an NFT for you. I'm out. I don't get that either. I don't know anything. Yeah. And then to get my NFT, so I was like, all right. So I clicked on, you had a choice between a couple NFTs. I clicked on the one I liked and then it said, do you have an e-wallet? And I was like, I don't have an e-wallet. So then I went on a site to get an e-wallet. And at that point I was like, no, (laughs) I don't know. I cannot (laughs) sift through this. It's so I've done it because I do own a little Bitcoin, like full disclosure, Um, not in one of these exchanges that died, but like in something called Coinbase or whatever, or like I parked it in something called Coinbase, which was not my choice. It was just like I was just that's what they were trying to make me do. I I hear you on that one. Yes. And it was honestly the like complicated process or whatever. And and it's um. The whole thing's frustrating. I think the idea was that we would each have our own little drives and that if the drive got lost, then it would be the end of your crypto. The the idea that we like created banks again when we already, I already have a bank, you know, and now we just created other types of banks that are run by like weird charlatans like Sam Bankman Freed. You know what I mean? Why? I don't know. But again, listeners, let me know. Am I, am I the, am I the crazy one? Or is it literally all of those other people? I don't know. (laughs) Hit me up. Um, Now, before we move to the next segment, I just want to give listeners a really quick update on Iran. Um, I don't have any good news to share, but I know a lot of you like emailed me when the news came out that they had abolished the morality police. I think that was one of those kind of like misleading headlines. They did, in fact, I guess, abolish the morality police, but it's one of those things that doesn't matter because they continue to sort of terrorize uh, protesters, they've actually handed out 11 death sentences, and two of those death sentences have been carried out. One of a 23-year-old man, um, Majid Reza Rahnavar, by hanging, um, and um, also of Mohsen Shekari um, by hanging. Um, and, uh, you know, they were convicted of just... It doesn't even matter because it was trumped up and ridiculous. They're being convicted, basically, of, of fighting um, and 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 um, fighting for rights and um, being a part of this revolution. And I don't have any good news except for that the thing continues. Is is so far the good news? Um, the, the good news on the front of the Iranian regime? No, I don't have any good news there. Um, but but I do. I will say that that people are still. Uh, fighting. And I hope that you uh, mention them. I hope that if you see an article, you'll post about it. You'll tell your friends, you'll, you'll have a chat um, at, at dinner. Uh, Word of mouth is extremely strong. It's important for the eyes of the West to be on uh, Iran and situations like this, because otherwise um, they ramp up the brutality tenfold. Uh, So, so please keep the people, the women of Iran who are carrying a revolution on their backs um, in your, uh, in your thoughts and, um, you know, uh, women life freedom, as they say. 
All right, let us move on to topic number three. We read a piece in The Atlantic by Stephanie Murray called Should Friends Offer Honesty or Unconditional Support? And it struck me as an excellent question, and it made me wonder if the two were mutually exclusive also. But before we get into the argument in the piece, where do you lean on the honesty versus unconditional support spectrum? Randy, you strike me as someone who may have a friend. Now, well, that's very presumptuous <laughs> of you. Where are you on the um, honesty versus unconditional support? Actually, I I was going to say I was going to tell you how many friends I've lost <laughs> over the last year. <laughs> specifically. Okay, uh, because I because I I I think I'm too honest with them. I was my I think my mother instilled in me that that love means honesty and and. You should be. You should always be as truthful as possible, and that's what you enter into a relationship, be it a friendship or anything else. So I, I try to be, you know, lovingly, sometimes obnoxiously honest with my friends, but people don't seem to like that. That's why I'm alone. Oh, <laughs> uh, Fira, where, <laughs> where are you? I mean. I so I love the idea of uh, honesty and unconditional love, as those things pair together, and uh, I don't think they exist. I think, and I feel like I I'm just going to. I feel like I'm referencing a joke I recently saw Colin Quinn of all people do, but it's the kind of thing like if you took a bunch of people and said, "Hey, do you want me to be like my total honest self, or do you want me to be like that elevated version of like a fun person that agrees with you and and like responds and yes ands that like you might meet at a cocktail party? What would you choose? They'd be like, "Oh yeah, let's take that second one." Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> because what if ever the thing that everyone needs from a friend is like actually respite from the honesty of the cruel world? Yes. And I have a friend that I know if I brought to her like my greatest worry, fear, doubt or whatever, she would completely go, that's not going to happen to you. That's not the situation. This is totally normal. And she I know that she will just say that no matter what and uh, and is wrong. <laughs> She's wrong. But do you feel better after you talk to her? But I, I love I love I love having her around. Yeah. Right. I think you go to different friends though for different things because as you're saying this, yes, that does sound more appealing to me. I would choose the second Colin Quinn <laughs> option every time. But don't you? But you? But then you go to the to the friends when you actually do need you know an answer that's going to maybe move things along and not just make you feel better in the moment. The piece actually starts with this, quote, a culture of passivity makes many people reluctant to question their friends' decisions. Um, I definitely find this to be true. There is like a culture of passivity. And I wonder if it's sort of like more American. Like I, um, if anyone's seen me do comedy in the last month or two I have a joke about Germans being extremely honest like they'll just tell you to your face you know like you are very fat you know or whatever and I had that experience because when I lived in Paris something little something that listeners 
haven't been reminded of enough this year. And so it's I like to be able to mention it just as we wrap up the year that I did live in Paris. And in my time living in Paris, I randomly made like a just sort of inordinate number of German friends. Why? Anyways, I love the Germans. Uh, how's it going, everybody who's German listening to the show? Um, and and that was the weird thing. It's like once I wrapped my head around how oddly direct and honest they were with me about everything. Um, I knew not to sort of take it personally. And I think that, and I was wondering like, what does a German friendship look like? Are they just like a couple of people being brutally honest to each other all the time? How rough. I mean, because an American friendship sort of reflects all of American kind of good time cinema, rock right. and roll. Like that's what an American friendship sort of like looks like culturally, I think. Um, and and I find that there are friends of mine, there's, there's actually a friend of mine I worry about that I sort of in a very gingerly like j- lots of euphemisms try to broach a subject you know, doused in sugar, like, you know, and I'm scared of being honest, but I worry sometimes about them. You know what I mean? Have you had that experience? I once told a friend that I did not like her boyfriend. Oh, I thought that was, I thought, you were <laughs> I thought it, that was a period. I don't like you. <laughs> no, but that's a little too honest that and- friendship does not succeed. Yes. Yeah, I've had, I told a friend that I didn't like her boyfriend for yeah. myriad of reasons. This boyfriend became her husband. It totally caused a riff in our relationship that Ugh. we are still repairing. Yeah, I well, can see that. Brandy? There's no coming back from that, but yet how do you, right? how do you keep that to yourself? I know. Yeah, so I think maybe that was just meant, that was beshert, as we say. <laughs> you probably needed to not be friends <laughs> with that person. Well, I also had a similar situation. So I had this really funny situation once where I was on the phone with a friend of mine who I was also like working on something with them or whatever. And this is crazy because I was walking with one of my German friends down the street in New York who was visiting New York. um, And we were like going out and, um, and I got this call and I was like, oh, let me take this call really quick. And I got blah, 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 had this. It was like a kind of annoying logistical work conversation. And then I and this person, but this person was also my friend. And I got off the phone and the phone, she didn't hang up. Ooh. So I then said to my German friend, I was like, oh, man, this person's great and so smart and blah, blah, blah. But like they're kind of unreliable when it comes to like logistics and stuff like that. And it's I find it frustrating. Like that's all. That's kind of like the sum total of what I said. And they emailed me like, I heard you have a conversation. And and I was like, okay, well, you know, I think I would say those things to your face if it ever came up in an elegant way. (laughs) I mean, like you're you probably didn't even know this about yourself, right? Like, you know, this about yourself. You're like always late. You're you're difficult to schedule with or like, you know, things are, you know, you're not reliable really in that way. And, uh, but it doesn't, ma- I mean, I kind of felt almost good because I was like, oh, it's kind of nice for to just like l- get that out. I, why do I have to stuff this in every time? It's frustrating. Um, but it did like definitely were like not as good of friends as we once were, for sure. <laughs> 
Yeah. And that's kind of mild, right? I think to be told like, oh, you're like, uh, you know, you're not like totally reliable and you, it's tough to deal with logistics. Like, that's not that bad. Like, is that that bad? No, but again, it's the way in which the, the information was relayed, right? Right. Had you just said, it, yeah, I think, again, no coming back from that. It should, if, if you hear someone talking shit about you behind your back, even though the shit is... You know, which was, by the way, again, it was sandwiched in a compliment. Right. But <laughs> well, to overhear a conversation about yourself, even if it's, it's, it's like weird. Yeah, yeah. That, it's, it's weird. Yeah. There's been a but couple also times up where the phone. I know. I, yeah. What are you doing? There's clearly some suspicion there. What are you doing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I will say that yeah. there's a couple of times that I have attempted, like I've been like, um, the, you know, I have to tell this person that like this thing bothered me or like this didn't work. Uh, not so much like maybe attacking their um, character, but just like even an incident, like to be not so much like, Hey, this is, you know, you are, you're, I don't find you to be loyal. Like nothing's that deep, but like, Hey, when this happened, just that kind of stuff, but with a friend and right. I've done it a couple right. times and I swear to God, I walk in all calm. And then I'm basically so unpracticed in doing this. I am, in tears and falling apart, trying to do it. Yeah, I have that too. Yeah, I mean, God, because we're not German enough. Like, <laughs> we just, I do feel like we need, like, a little more German because it shouldn't be, like, it shouldn't be the end of the world to sort of tell a friend, like, hey, I was hoping for more of this and you didn't do it. And, like, I don't know, what do you think? Like, it could be... It it like I wonder why it's be it's such a difficult. I have friends too for like decades, for which I would have a very hard time saying something very mild to them, you know. Um, and apparently, according to this article, a lot of the psychologists said um, that a lot of people claim they want honesty out of friendships, but then they actually don't. Um, and that they, whenever there's like a big issue with a, with a romantic partner, they do want to have the conversation because with a romantic partner, there is a, like a, a contract, you know? Right. Um, but with a friend, it's like, there's no contract. You could no. just fall out of it. Um, and so, and so it turns out that like, generally people don't want to hear honesty. Um, does this conversation... <coughs> change how you're going to behave towards your friends at all in the new year. I no, I'll still be a horror and tell everyone what I think, <laughs> but I can't, but yeah, but again, I, I think that there are, I, but the deeper, I think the deeper the friendship, the more honest I feel the responsibility to be. So it is rooted in love and responsibility, you know, good, noble things. If it's an empty calories kind of relationship, I'm happy to just go have a few cocktails and tell you you're pretty and then, you know, that's it. But right. yeah, I don't know. I don't think I, I don't know. I can't I don't think that I that will change in me and I will remain alone. So call me. <laughs> <laughs> Ophira. Uh, yeah, I, I'm still cleaning up the mess of 2022. I, I, I <laughs> like I, I feel like so many after like there was there's a lot of friends who I just didn't have contact with. 
and um, who were like kind of ancillary to my life, who I really liked. And maybe we were on that weird track of let's get a coffee someday or let's get a drink. And it just like it was always uh, down the road. And then that runway completely disappeared because we and we never got back on track. And so I just still feel like my entire social network is uh, very small. So I'm going to really be very patronizing to the people I know. <laughs> Folks, let me know what are you planning on doing? Um, are, do you, is this conversation about honesty um, versus uh, unconditional support making you reconsider how you behave in your friendships? I'm so curious to hear. Folks, that is the end of the show. Oh my God. I mean, you're both just stunning. Um, I it's I just I picture your 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 body's composting one day in the future and it's just delightful. That <laughs> and, is so beautiful. And we'll all be together, you know. I hope my in, cylinder is near your cylinder. Yes. And just like I want the I want I want to share my alfalfa sprouts with Randy and Ophira. Um and what I would love for the people of Fake the Nation to do is follow all the things, the wonderful things that the both of you do. Randy, where do they do that? I'm Randy Rainbow everywhere. And oh, and at Randy Rainbow Official on TikTok. Yes. Follow him. Follow all of his tunage. Um, and read his book. And the Randy Rainbow Podcast. They make they they'll kill me if I don't say it. Yes, the Randy Rainbow Podcast. Subscribe, folks. Such a delight to have you on the show, Randy. And Ophira, where do they find you? You can find me on the socials at Ophira E. Check out my new digital wallet. Throw in some Coinbase. Uh, no, I, it's not posted, but that would be hilarious if that's really all of it. <laughs> uh, but I'm on all of the things, TikTok, et cetera, Instagram, et cetera. Anyone's left on Twitter, at Ophira E. And also check out my podcast called Parenting is a Joke. You can hear Nagin on it shortly, uh, I believe on December 20th. Oh, I'm so excited that I I got to be a part of that show. It's so wonderful. It felt so good to like be to talk about parenting in a way that I think is universal, honestly, because if you did, if you aren't a parent, you probably did have parents. Um, And uh, I don't know. It's just so fun and funny and made me feel less alone in the world as a parent. It's a good hang. It's a good oh, hang. It's such a good hang. So definitely subscribe to that podcast. Don't forget to watch her special on YouTube, Plant Based Jokes. And as for me, you know where to find me and all the stuff that I do. And and I was just on, wait, wait, don't tell me, before all of those jokes completely become irrelevant, check out that episode because we recorded it at Carnegie Hall. Um, I, I found my way to Carnegie Hall and it was, uh, it was such a fun show and I'd never performed there before. And I was the panelist who did all of the... Uh, totally naughty, uh, I want to say, dick-based material that uh, probably that didn't end up in the final broadcast because it's NPR. But um, but it nonetheless is a terrific final broadcast, so check it out. Um, and um, I would love to thank all the people that make the show a possibility. That's our wonderful producer, Andrew McGuire, fantastic audio engineer, um, Stephanie Aguilar, um, everyone at HeadGum uh, who makes the show possible. Our theme music was written by Gotby Alter. And um, hit me up. You can email me through my website. You can DM me on all of the things. You can email me at through the Patreon. 
Patreon. Uh, don't forget to go to patreon.com slash Farsad if you want to support the show. Again, that's patreon.com slash Farsad. And we will be back in your earballs next week. That was a HeadGum Podcast.